Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in and making this podcast a part of your day today. I am your host, Ryan Sebastian. I I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Also known as Easily Distracted. (laughs) Aren't we all? Aren't we all? It's been a week, man, and uh, it's only Wednesday when we're recording this, so... Um, but I'm glad to be here and I'm excited about this, uh, this, the rest of this interview, uh, today and uh, just some of the topics that you guys are going to be covering. Um, I'm excited about the future of youth ministry. I'm excited about what the Lord's been doing in our ministries and what he's going to do coming when school starts up here in a couple of weeks. There's a lot going on. (laughs) Yes, there is. And of course, of course, our school system is right now is completely online. Uh, at least for at least for nine weeks is completely online, uh, except for private schools. There's some private schools meeting in person, uh, so it, it's it's a different world right now, and it's a different level of uh, just frustration and even discouragement to a point, especially for us and in my context and our church. Uh, uh, our church is, is or just our culture is very much not committed um and that's that's the and because there's been a lack of discipleship that us as a staff has been really trying uh to work on and improve understanding that this is a long-term fix and a long-term move uh but because we're in this coronavirus happened right in the midst of us moving trying to move our church culture and a level of discipleship a deep discipleship that to be honest with you, our ministries as a whole, it's almost like starting from scratch. So it's been some, yeah. some yeah. frustration there. It's yeah. loaded it down. And I mean, when you're trying to turn an aircraft carrier, you don't, you don't turn that sucker like a speedboat. It's a long, slow turn. And man, coronavirus has really made, I mean, I've told someone even as, as recently as yesterday, 2020 has been the longest 10 years of my life. <laughs> um, so true. But I think that's also why our last episode and then this one next to it is so timely because uh, what you and um, Trevor talk about are, are kind of like basics you know, kind of back to the basics mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, you're, you're talking foundational things. La- last week, we uh, not last week, but last episode, uh, you guys talked about the purpose and the personal pastoring productivity. Those are the first four Ps. Um, and then the, the five that you're going to cover this week, place, program, preaching, people, and promotion. And a lot of these things have some very basic foundational principles behind them. So, uh, if you do feel like if you're in a context like me or Ryan, because Ryan's in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Prince George, Virginia. 
And, you know, his school district's going all online. Our school district is four days in school, Friday online, which I don't know how that's going to work because half the people in our county don't even have internet because Comcast won't go out there because it's not worth it because there's not enough people. <laughs> that's, that's where we live. So there's a lot of this that is like what you just said, back to the basics, back to square one. How do we, how do we do this? It's, it's almost like a lot of us are uh, brand new youth pastors at a new church this fall as school. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and that's kind of what it feels like in a, in a, in a few ways. Yeah, and and people are listening may think I'm weird, but I I like it. I like the the I like the challenge. Uh, I think I like, you're weird too, but yeah. I love you. Yes, <laughs> I I don't like the fact that I'm not my kids aren't in youth group. Yeah, I don't like that because because mm-hmm. we're there's this is also producing a sense of laziness mm. among adults, especially when it comes to Sunday morning, um, particularly when I think people are getting used to sitting in their pajamas. Mm-hmm. Drink a cup of coffee, yep, and doing nothing except put on watching something on a TV, and they're getting used to that, yep. and it's just producing a sense of laziness, and that's seeping even into when it comes to kids in my ministry, to where parents just don't want to drive them, don't want them to take go out of the way to do that, and and of course I don't like that part of it, uh, but I enjoy striving to be innovative to find new ways of reaching teens, uh, reaching people, uh, developing leaders. And I enjoy that. And can, this is kind of encouraged that. So I love it. But at the same time, there's a part of me that hates it because I hate for the fact I'm missing my kids. Mm-hmm. My kids aren't here, but. They're like your babies. Yes. Love yeah. them. Gotta love them. Yeah. But um yeah, so I'm, I'm very, I uh, was very encouraged when I talked to uh, Trevor um, Hammaker, particularly uh, about these basics of youth ministry and how the basic going back to the basics, like how we were talking about, and how to build a better youth ministry. So stay tuned as we talk with Trevor Hammaker. Okay, guys, I am really excited to be talking to Trevor Hammaker again uh, as we talk about the steps or the P's for having a better youth ministry. Uh, so last week, we kind of talked about the purpose, uh, personal pastoring and productivity when it comes to having a better youth ministry. But Trevor, what are the rest of the key components of a better youth ministry? Yes. Um, those first four that we talked about, those are really the foundational pieces. And so it's really important. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about those things first. But where we go from here is talking about your place, your programs, your preaching, your people, and your promotion. Okay, so um, so, so many ministries like find themselves meeting in all kinds of different places. So what are some things that can make a youth ministry space even better? Well, some of the most common problems that I see when I'm um, observing student ministries or a youth pastor will send me pictures of their space, oftentimes they kind of break down into four different problems. I think some of them are too big, some of them are too bright, 
Some of them are too uh, busy and some of them are too boring. And so I'll kind of explain what I mean by each of those and maybe give some, some ideas for how to fix that if a listener finds themselves with a room that feels like that. But sometimes because youth ministries will inherit a space that really wasn't designed for students or student ministry or anything like that, maybe a fellowship hall or they're repurposing a sanctuary or an old chapel on the property or something like that. One guy that I'm talking with right now, um, uh, doing some different coaching stuff, he's meeting in some different trailers that have been retrofitted and kind of melded together to, to build their space. So, um, if you've got one of these spaces and it's too big, what happens is all of the, the energy in the room kind of evaporates. It just gets sucked right out of there. And so it's very hard to, to really generate a level of enthusiasm and excitement and energy that, really, that, that kids really thrive on a lot of times. And so if your room is too big, um, I think one of the best things you can do is, is get hold of some pipe and drape, which is just, just some vertical stands and then some heavy um, – some heavy, I'm thinking about the right word, canvas, or I guess it's drape, <laughs> some heavy drape. Or curtains. And yeah, some curtains. That's exactly the word I'm looking for. So you could get hold of some uh, some heavy curtains like that and really begin to focus the uh, the attention in the room where you want it to be. You can create a backdrop, but then kind of from that backdrop, you can also kind of flare out on the different sides and create just, again, you're trying to trying to shrink the feel of the room and to be able to harness some of that energy and direct it where you want. But another thing that you could do is you could create different zones within a large room so that when you come in, you're not just met with one big, large open space. You've got kind of a, um, a welcome table. You've got an, a game area. You've got a cafe. You've got maybe a resource table or area. And then you've kind of got your more dedicated um, worship space where with a stage and, and that kind of thing. Um, sometimes it's too bright. And this is, a, this is a very easy thing to fix. Ultimately, you want to be able to turn off the overhead lights because a lot of times those overhead lights are just commercial grade, bright fluorescent lights. And those are great for a classroom or great for a dentist office, but they can really hurt the vibe in the room when it comes to, uh, to students and what you're trying to do there. And so I would just recommend that you maybe invest in some different LED strips, some different kind of up lighting or some floor lighting, some lamps something that's much darker or even dimmable. Dimmable lighting is really helpful as well um, because you really just don't want it to feel like your typical classroom type environment because sure, there is an element of teaching and education to what we're doing, but it's not exactly uh, the same. And so you really want to do kind of dim the lights and set a different kind of vibe and a different kind of mood in there. Um, again, sometimes the rooms are too busy and that's just a, a, an issue of clutter, where through the years we've been places and accumulated things and taken pictures and had, you know, had students kind of give us things and we just collect all of them and we store all of them and, we, and sometimes they're all hanging on the walls. And so what happens is six years ago, everybody knew what that was about. Five years ago, everybody knew who those kids were. But now as you have new students and a new group of students that are showing up and being a part of what you're doing now, they don't really feel a sense of connection to any of those things. And so if it's too busy, then the easiest thing to do is just reboot, restart. You take everything out. And the only things that you now bring back in are things that have relevance and meaning for what you're doing in terms of your ministry now. And even this goes as far as... Um, 
taking out the trash. A lot of times, if you just dig around and look under some tables or in, the, in a corner, you'll find some old bulletins or some old um, postcard announcements maybe that you had put together. And that event happened three, four months ago, and you've still got some of that stuff sitting around. And so just cleaning it all out, making it neat, making it uh, tidy. And then kind of the opposite of that would be too boring. And that's just where you've probably cleaned everything out. And now there's nothing there. And so kids, you know, they want to show up, they want to have a good time. Um, and you got to give them some things to do, whether that's, you know, music playing, some high top tables to be standing around, some games to be involved with. Um, I'm a big fan of creating a, a cafe. And even if you have to, even if you have to sell some of those snack items, that's fine. You, you don't upcharge on it. You just have it available. And then it begins to just pay for itself after a couple of weeks. And you just use the money that comes from it to restock, you know, to restock the pantry or restock the tables. And so those are a couple of ways. There's a couple of problems that I see. And then also a couple of ways to kind of navigate through those or, or around those to really have a better, um, a better space for your students. Yeah, one thing, and, and a lot of people may be listening, so may be thinking, okay, why is uh, space, your space and your, your youth ministry room or youth group room, why is that important? Yes, the room is so important because for a lot of your, for, well, for a lot of your new students that are really coming in and checking you out and checking things out for the very first time, it just forms part of the first impression. It's not the only thing that forms part of that first impression. I mean, you got other things as far as did they feel welcome? Did they feel included? Did they even like what was happening there? Did they connect with what you were saying? Uh, so there's a lot of things that build and form that first impression. But, but honestly, the room, the space, it communicates and sends a signal so, uh, about so much of what are you about? What do you hope happens while we're together? Um, but then also it's not just for new kids. It's also for kids who have really engaged with your ministry over a series of years, because what it's doing is it's really planting a, a stake or planting a flag in their memory, in their experience. So that when they think back, when they're 22, 23, 30 years old, and they think back about your ministry and what it was like to be part of a youth group or a youth ministry along the way, it's not, again, it's not the whole impression, but it certainly does form part of it. It, it, it builds a lasting impression in the hearts and lives and minds of those students, along with the things that were done and the things that were said and the things that were taught and the love that they felt and all that. But that room, we often uh, associate memories with different experiences and places. And so what you want to do is you want to create a room that allows those memories of that place to be positive rather than the other way. Yeah, it's interesting you were talking about earlier about lighting and uh, some other things like that. And when we and a lot of people listening may may not understand this, but your your way you set up a room uh, where there's lighting and um, how busy it is, you're talking about cluttered and all that stuff, how you set up a room really provides an environment, a better environment or a worse environment when it comes from learning. Because the whole, the whole idea uh, of what we do is, again, to produce retention of what we're teaching, of what's going on in small groups, provide an avenue of retention so what they're learning is retained. And when you have a and then, I don't know, maybe me, my ADD-ness, but if I'm, a, I'm, if I'm in a room with, that's busy as snot, that's got stuff all over the walls, that's crazy, I'm distracted. Um, 
And if you got, even, even from having from a light standpoint, if you, if you have lights flashing everywhere and all over the place, you've lost me. Um, even with worship, having background, which is po- popular in the 90s, is great. It's gradually kind of fading out a little bit. But what used to be popular to have moving backgrounds and worship distracts the snot out of me. Um, so even in my own practice, because, I'm, again, I'm, I'm doing what's based off of my personality and also from things I've read and researched. But I have a philosophy of, of simplicity. Have making a, a room that's warm, that's inviting. You're talking about dim lighting, that's part of the, the warm feeling of creating an environment that's warm. Um, we still have back back lights, like wall lights, floor lights. They're twenty some dollars off of Amazon, dirt cheap. You don't have to spend a lot of money on that, all that stuff. But just providing a an environment that's warm and inviting, but at the same time not distracting. There are two things that I think any youth pastor could go out today and get that would make a big improvement. One of them is paint because a fresh coat of paint can go a very long way. And if you don't really know the color to choose, then by all means, um, there are people in, in all, in all different churches who have a, who have an eye for these kinds of things. You can go down to your local paint store and they can suggest all kinds of different color variations that could work really well. The other very simple recommendation would be party lights or Christmas lights. You just hang them from the ceiling, you kind of string them, and it just gives a really kind of laid back, inviting uh, feel that that helps students to just recognize, okay, I didn't, I I don't remember going to a church that had party lights hanging from the um, hanging from the ceiling before. Like this is a different kind of place because so much of what we're trying to overcome with building those first impressions is uh, the, is the, the idea that church is going to be stiff and lame and disconnected and maybe worst of all, boring. And so the way that your room is designed and the things that are there will really help to overcome that stigma and at least allow a person to let their guard down and begin to participate and engage with what you've got going on. So the room is just a tool. It's a vehicle to allow meaningful ministry to happen. That's why it's important. Yeah, the next thing that I would say is, is a big part of student ministry, but sometimes not really thought of to its entirety, it's program and how program is connected to reaching more students. So when you talk about having a better youth ministry program, what exactly are you talking about? Yes, right off the bat, my first thought as I'm putting together a program, and let me pause there because sometimes programs get a bad rap, and I'll encounter or talk with different youth pastors, and they they kind of minimize or dismiss the importance of their programs. Well, years ago, uh, Kurt Johnston, who um, has a long, successful history doing youth ministry, I read a statement from him that had said a that your programs are basically everything that you do. So whatever you're doing constitutes or counts as a program. And for me, as I'm putting together a program, whether it's a weekly program, a quarterly program, an event, a summer camp, a a fall retreat, whatever the program, a mission trip, whatever the program is, those are things you're doing. I want for people who came and were involved with it to say, I'm glad I was there. 
And I want for people who missed out on it or couldn't be there, I want their response to be, I wish that I had been there. And in order to do that, it takes planning. And that's something that you can't do when you are just running week to week so that you can't plan a Wednesday night that is engaging and that makes people say, I was glad I was there. You can't plan that if you're, if you just started on Monday or Tuesday. So one of the things that has really helped me is to plan ahead. The biggest thing that I do is um, I create an Evernote, an Evernote file. And I make a notebook for every date that's coming up, Wednesday night, Sunday night, whatever's coming. And I go through and I list, I just itemize all of the different elements or components that are going to be present that I'm going to need to have covered on that date. So there's going to be songs that, are, that we need to sing. There's going to be a game that we need to play. There's going to be a prize or prizes that need to be given out. There's going to be a message that needs to be spoken. All these types of things. I know those are coming. So way far in advance, as early as I can do this, I'll go ahead and put create placeholders for each of those things. And that way, let's say, you know, you know, Thanksgiving is coming in November. You know that spring break is going to be coming in the spring. You know that Valentine's Day is coming. And when you come across different things that are related or relevant to those times of, of the year or seasons on the calendar, you can go ahead and slot them in because you've created a placeholder. So one of my favorite examples that happened was uh, I came across a story that Burger King created a, a perfume or a cologne, and it was called BK Flame. And I was like, that is just so good. So I've, I had a spot on the calendar coming up for Valentine's Day, and I said, I've got to share this story for that, you know, for that, uh, for that night. And that was a good thing. Also, if you come across you know, on Facebook or Instagram, uh, some different game ideas that you weren't even expecting. You can just take a screenshot and you've got somewhere to plug it in. Let's say you come across that game idea, you know, in the winter or, or the spring and it's too cold, but it would be a great game for summer. Then you've already got some stuff kind of put out there and you can go ahead and slot it in. And so for me, your ministry will get better. Your programs especially will get better when you begin to plan ahead and make time um, or when you begin to plan ahead and have tools available for you to capture all of those different ideas. No, I agree. The one thing that um, I've learned early on in my ministry is, uh, for at least for me, and this is something I do. And again, people may be listening, say, saying, there's no way I can do this. But I, I have the entire year, school year, uh, planned out. I have a little document. It's got a year at a glance. Uh, that I give to parents and, and the students where they have everything that's going on every month uh, for the entire year. And I do that, number one, is because um, parents are busy. Parents, students are busy. So go ahead and put these, these dates on their calendars. They can pick and choose uh, what they would like to go to, add to the calendars and all that. Uh, what that has actually done is made, made programming in an, in an event or serving outreach, that type of thing, and made that much easier uh, for me as a whole. I even have my student leadership meetings planned a year in advance, uh, my students' uh, adult meetings planned a year in advance. And what it has done has created 
uh, a sense of me being more more effective because I'm already planning. It's already on the calendar. The next step is just doing the little uh, little small things leading up to that. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm sitting here thinking as you're saying that is that you when you're putting these things down on a big calendar, you don't have to have all of the details mapped out. That will just keep you frozen and paralyzed. You don't have to have all that. What you just want to do is identify the big rocks on the calendar that you know are coming. And again, you're just making a placeholder. And then when you sit down, let's say it's on Monday and you're trying to put together your stuff for Wednesday night, you're not staring at a blank screen or, you know, the folder on your computer for that date is not empty. And you're not just trying to throw together, you know, the latest game that showed up in your email and whatever download youth ministry happened to publish that week. Like, again, and that's a great um, thought is as download youth ministry, again, I'm not assuming everybody's a subscriber. Um, I, I am and I find it to be helpful. But as they send and publish, as they send you the games that they've recently published or the new series that they're coming out with or anything like that, you know that it might not be relevant today, but you know that there's a spot on the calendar where that, where that will be. And so because you've gone ahead and created that, you've got something there to begin to spark ideas when you sit down on Monday. So you're going to have to get down to the level of detail. But when you're just trying to start off and build it out, you don't have to have every detail nailed down. No, I, no, absolutely. I agree. And this, this is, again, this is an area that is, comes easier for me because one of my gifts is administration. Uh, very much thinking ahead, planning ahead, but it may be this, this idea of programming and, and planning may be a little bit difficult, maybe for someone who that's not their gift. Now, one thing I, I would encourage if that's you, uh, and this is something you struggle with is just set, um, just set dates like one day a week, a time during the, uh, during the week where that is your administrative time and planning. Yes. It's, I struggle with understanding that, I guess, probably because it's just how my brain works. Um, part of being a youth pastor is more than running around with kids and having fun and building relationships and preaching sermons. Like those are awesome and necessary things, but there is an administrative professional component to this. The church is entrusting you to manage a budget of some sort if you're in, you know, a full-time, if you're in a full-time, maybe even part-time capacity. So they're entrusting you with real resources, whether that's um, money or um, space or human lives. And so there has to be some level of professionalism to where you have the, the self-discipline to sit down and it might not be your greatest strength, and it might not even bring you the greatest joy, but planning and administration is a significant component of being an, a youth pastor. No, I agree. Uh, it's not, it's not, a, I would say it's, it's a discipline that you may have to learn if you're not, if you're not naturally gifted that way. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's a key component for any type of ministry is, is some form of administration. Cause again, most, most pastors, no matter what ministry you're over, it's typically over some form of budget, uh, typically over people, uh, leadership 
aspects, but in all that is, is the realm and entitled and wrapped around administration. So you have to develop that skill, even though it may not be a natural skill that you have. Uh, so, so the next thing I want to talk about, so we talked about, so we've talked about so far, we've, we've talked about the space, we've talked about uh, program. Uh, the next thing I, I want to ask, talk about is, is preaching, or you can talk of speaking, teaching, whatever you want to f- phrase it when it comes to a youth ministry. So what are maybe your top three tips to help people preach better? Yeah, top three tips. Um, I think number one is to listen to a lot of preaching. This is something where uh, I don't think we listen to enough preaching. And it's not always because my soul needs to get fired up again. It's because at the end of the day, preaching, speaking, communicating with an audience is a skill, it's a craft. And the more that you are exposed to people, who are doing that craft well, then the better you're going to be for it. And so sometimes as you're listening, and of course with podcasting and with YouTube videos and with audiobooks, although that's, that doesn't quite get you the same, um, the same experience, but with, with YouTube videos and podcasting and apps and everything else, you can really dial in with some of the, the country or even the world's best communicators, best preachers, best public speakers, and see what is it that they're doing. And one of the things that I think is so valuable is if you encounter somebody that isn't quite doing it for you, somebody that whatever they're saying or however they're saying it doesn't resonate with you, ask that deeper question of why. So you wanna analyze why is it that I'm drawn to this kind of communication or this kind of preaching, or why is it that I'm not drawn? to this particular communicator or this particular style, because I think that we're all always developing our own style. And part of our own style has to do with the influences and the mentors and the the different people that we've looked up to along the way. And so years and years ago, the person who I really wanted to be like um, was John Piper, because I just, the way he communicated was so thoughtful and clear and direct. And what I found was that he manuscripts his sermons. Well, that works for some people. It doesn't work for others. I manuscript my stuff today, but unless you're John Piper, it's very difficult to stand up and really read your manuscripts to people. Uh, and so I've had to bring on board other influences as well. And this just comes from listening and listening. In fact, J.D. Greer, manuscripts his sermons and he'll stand there with his um with his notebook and read it to you but he's not reading it like monotone he's he's preaching it but he's manuscripted um andy stanley is a different kind of communicator he's more relaxed he's got he's got his stool he's going to kind of sit down and say we're all just adults here let's just have this conversation and i'm just i'm not going to tell you what to do i'm just just going to suggest it to you and if you've watched Andy, he's evolved through the years where he used to have a table there with him and some, a couple of notes in his Bible. Well, now he's got nothing up there. Um, now, he's got some cheats as far as what's on the screen and things to cue him and that kind of thing. Um, but as I thought about how I want to be perceived as a communicator with students, I recognized 
that I could not stand up there and be John Piper and connect with students in the way that they needed me to connect with them. And so I had to bring a little bit of that dash of Andy Stanley in. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, I years and years ago, I didn't ever think I was going to get into student ministry. I went to Liberty University as a graduate assistant baseball coach. And so there is kind of this element of motivational coaching in me and like him or love uh, like him or hate him tony robbins is a fantastic communicator and so i try to learn what i can from all kinds of different people and that's what we can do too when you just listen you listen broadly and you try to think through you know what's going on and next or another thing that you can do is to record yourself and actually listen to it a lot of guys will record themselves or ladies will record themselves but never quite get around to listening to it because it's just uncomfortable. And I get it. It is. But if you don't ever take the time to listen to the message, then you don't ever hear your tone or your pace or your volume. And oftentimes you go back and you listen and you thought that what you said was so clear and you go back and you're like, Oh, you know what? It was such a jumbled mess. And that's helpful because when you hear that, it, it allows you to make an adjustment for the next time. And that, to me, that's, this is what it's all about. It's about getting better and making small adjustments and improvements so that next time it happens, um, it goes more like you wanted it to go. Um, another thing to think about is when you're listening, it's like if you're bored listening, they're probably bored listening too. And so it really helps you to, to, to tighten up all that you're talking about. And then the last thing for preaching that I always, this is probably the top of my list. Maybe I should have said it first. Reboot the attention span. Kids have a very short attention span. Adults do too. So you're talking, I mean, four, five, six, seven minutes. You're always trying to reboot that attention span, whether it's ask them to say something, ask them to respond, ask them to raise a hand, ask them to ask a question to their neighbor, reveal a prop. Um, Call someone up on stage and have them participate or act something out. Show a video clip. You're always trying to reboot the attention span. One of the things that I do to do this um, on, a re on a regular basis is, uh, is I use, I would probably use 30 slides in a 15-minute sermon. And part of that is because I'm always trying to change the visual input. If I have the ability, if there's screens in the room, I'm going to maximize those things because slides are free. And it costs me nothing to make 30 slides for a 15 minute talk and fill those slides with images, words, whatever I can do to keep things moving around because I know that I'm always a couple of minutes away from losing them. So I'm always trying to reboot that attention. Yeah, one thing when it comes to preaching for me, cause this is probably, probably speaking, communicating, I would say is not my natural gift. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just not something I have to, have to work at. Um, one thing that I've found that works extremely well for me is, is ha creating almost a discussion style teaching. And again, if you're in an environment, a youth, youth group environment where you can do that, the average church, I would say can. Larger churches may be a little bit more difficult depending on the size of your youth group. But in my context, I'm in, I'm in a little bit of a smaller, smaller church, smaller youth group. I'm able to do that and utilize that. And that helps with the, the attention spam. Also, I love that you talked about listening to other people uh, and other communicators and also listening to yourself. Because I do feel like that uh, as any type of leader, 
whether you're a pastor, any type of, any type of ministry where you're talking, you should be recording yourself listening to yourself to learn and listen to other people who are teaching in that field to learn uh, and to, be, to improve and think, oh, I love what the guy said, love how he said it that way. How can I pull that into my teaching style so I can be more effective in reaching my students? Because the, the whole idea of communicating is being more effective in reaching your students for Christ. That's the whole purpose of it, of you communicating. And if that is your underlying purpose. Of course, you're going to try your best to be more effective in doing that, whether it's naturally your gift or not. Like for me, for one thing I have to, I have to do is get out of my comfort zone and act stupid on stage sometimes, and act goofy and do goofy things and act crazy a little bit, which is outside of my personality in order to engage my students and have them engaged into what I'm teaching. Yeah, it's such a great point because if, if um, you're basically setting yourself aside to serve the students that you're trying to serve, like th this is where preaching can really take on a spiritual connection because, I mean, it sounds, it could sound trite, but it's really, really not. To, to put your own ego to the side and to lean in in a direction that is maybe less comfortable for you because it serves the, the needs of the people that you're trying to meet, uh, meet their needs. Th that is Christ-like behavior, putting yourself aside to serve someone else. That's what it is. And when we model that in our preaching, I think that it really does connect with, um, with students. Now, the other thing I would say is that you really have to be authentic to who you are because, um, you know, writing my stuff out, is natural to me. I, there's another guy that I know very well who's a fantastic communicator. And one time he said to me, I don't understand why you don't just shoot from the hip. And, and I was like, I don't know how you do. So for him trying to write out and think through ahead of, not really ahead of time, he knew what he was, where he was going, he knew what he was going to say, but he just kind of went up there and felt like I'm just going for it. That would feel so unnatural to me and clunky. And in fact, I have delivered a message a few times with just no notes at all. And I think what happened is I don't think it connected very well personally because it wasn't, it wasn't natural to who I am. I, I was kind of living in my own head. I was trying to retrace the script, you know, where, where am I? And it was all in my own head as opposed to being present with the students who were in the room and reading their body language and reading their faces. Are they with me? Do they need to reboot? You know, do I need to ask a question here? I couldn't really engage. Um, with with really with with the best of who I am for them because I was consumed in my own head trying to be a guy who could talk without notes so you got to be authentic to who you are yeah some of the uh, best communicators uh across whether it's it's preaching uh, preaching from a pulpit as a, as a lead pastor down to uh, student ministry and all in between uh, some of the best communicators still use notes uh, and and I, I guess there's maybe this mentality that's seeping in in some parts of church uh, culture, and maybe some seminaries, not all, uh, is the idea of, of, of be a better communicator, a better engaged communicator means you don't need to have notes on the stage. Um, I've been hearing that a lot from for, uh, for the last few years, uh, some people saying that to me. And for me personally, I can't do that. I, I would love to be the guy who can just memorize stuff, get on stage, and, and has, 
preaching an awesome uh, lesson and teaching. I just can't do that. Uh, it's not, it's not who I am. So yes, yeah, so I, I totally agree is, is when you're teaching and you're speaking, you need to speak in the realm of who you are, uh, how the way God has designed you. Don't try to be someone you're not, because I'm never going to be an Andy Stanley. I'm never going to be a Josh Griffin or Doug Fields. I'm, I'm never going to be that way. That's not how God has designed me and designed my personality. So you should be, you sh- so just like you want, you're, you're teaching your students to be wrapped in the identity of who God made you, you as a, a student pastor, a youth pastor, need to do the same thing in every aspect of your ministry in your life, including your teaching. Don't compare yourself to other people. Learn from other people. Don't compare yourself to other people. Yeah, that's very well said. And as I think about kind of finding your preaching voice or your style or whatever, I just feel like we're all a mashup of our biggest influences. And so we take what we can from them and we learn what we can from them and we adopt our own kind of style. And some of that just takes time. I mean, I remember one time I saw Tony Robbins do this like audience engagement trick and I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I mean, cause I'm, I'm going to try it out. Maybe, maybe it will be amazing. Like it, it worked, it was for him. And so I would say, don't be afraid to try things out and almost try things on, see if it works for you, see if that fits for you. Um, so the, the trick I'm sure people are wondering was he would say something and he was like, if, if that's you say, I, you know, and, and which really worked in like a, you know, business motivational party conference context. But I was talking with like 24, you know, middle schoolers. And I'm like, if that's you say, I, and they're like, I, I think, I think <laughs> so I tried, but I tried it one time and didn't try it again, but I was trying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. So we, we talked about, again, we're talking about preaching and we're talking about preaching directly and it's connected to people, which kind of flows in exactly your next, your next point. So when it comes to people, uh, we're specifically uh, talking about uh, volunteers, even though the student pastor, youth pastor is connected to that. But what would you say to a youth pastor who says, I just can't find any good volunteers to help me? I would say don't give up. That's first, because they're they are they are out there. They are somewhere in town. They might not be at your church yet, but as you're mixing and mingling around town, you will eventually come into contact with people who are passionate about making a difference with young people. So first, I would say just don't give up. And then I and I would also say it's not optional. You have to have volunteers who are helping you. Because if not, you are a lid on your own ministry because there's only so much that you as a single individual can do. And so if you want your ministry to grow and if you want students to feel cared for and all of that, you're going to have to expand the team of people that you have around you that are able to pour care into students. And then if you don't find volunteers, it's a recipe for burnout because Again, if you're if you're trying to actually do all the things that I'm suggesting get done for better youth ministry, there's not enough hours in the day. You can be as productive as you want to be, and it, it can't all happen. Because again, we all have different giftings and different skill sets and different um, things that come more or less natural to us. And so what you want to do is you want to surround yourself with people whose gift mixes complement yours. And that will help. And then of course you've got to trust them 
to do some of these things. We, we call it delegation. I don't know if that feels like dumping sometimes, but you can delegate in a proper way where you empower them to make important decisions and to really see a task through without micromanaging. That's always very helpful. And if you don't bring people around you, you're going to burn out or give up or something. So if you can't find volunteers, I would say you might not be looking hard enough or you might be relying on bulletin announcements or announcements from the stage, maybe during announcement time uh, in the service. And then you kind of shrug your shoulders and you say, well, nobody's responding. Nobody wants to volunteer. I think that a, a more effective approach is to identify the, the men or the women or the, you know, the young men and the young ladies who you think would connect really well with the students in your ministry context. And you ask them to join your team personally. You, you go up to them and you say, listen, I think that you would be incredible uh, as a volunteer in, in our ministry. Our kids think so highly of you, or if they don't yet, our kids would think so highly of you. You could make such a difference with our group. Would you, would you meet with me for breakfast and let's talk about it? I, don't ha I haven't had anybody in, in all my years of doing this, I've had nobody refuse that invitation. Now, it doesn't mean that when I get to the table at the breakfast or at the lunch or at the coffee, it doesn't mean they're going to join on with me, but they at least know that I see something in them. And as a pastor, for somebody to, for somebody, even if they're not a student, as just a pastor, for somebody to, to, to feel like they have something, they have a gift. I mean, that, that's, that's me giving a gift to them. And so even if it doesn't work out, the fact that I have poured something into them that really can uh, inspire them to maybe do something else in the future is a great thing. But a, but a lot of times that personal invitation, you get them to the table, you begin to explain the role and the goal. What is it that I want you to do? Well, um, I want you to be on our host team. I want you to welcome students with a smile and connect them with somebody else when they arrive. That's what I want you to do. Can you do that? Well, I can't do it every week, but you know, okay, can you do it every other week? And so you're just trying to work with people to, uh, to give them different ways that they can link up with you and make a difference in ministry because it's not just about them helping you. Serving in a ministry is a catalyst of faith. And so when somebody serves, they are actually allowing God to build something new in them. And so serving is part of the discipleship process for people. And so, you, so you're so you inviting them to serve with you, not again, not so that you derive benefit, you will, but it's also for their benefit as well. And I think that's a very important point to keep in mind because you're not badgering them. You're not trying to get them to do something they don't want to do, or maybe you are, but it's in their best interest and you know that. And so you're, you're coming at this from a position, I love what Jeff Henderson talks about, of being for them. And when you're inviting people to join in ministry, again, the right people, the people that you've identified that you know could make a difference. And you're saying, I want, you, I want to invite you in to make a difference. Yeah, I'm glad when you, you're, you're talking about, and, and when I thought about this as well, this is immediately what I was thinking about um, leaning towards is, is the cold ask. You talk about personal asking, uh, but the cold ask, because let's just be honest, putting, putting an announcement in a bulletin, putting an announcement from the pulpit uh, doesn't work. Uh, second of all, you're running the risk of inviting predators into your ministry. Um, I've seen that I've seen, I've seen, seen and heard stories of this multiple times 
Uh, it's where we've had people because of a of a wide ask, congregational ask, when a back when a background check is ran, uh, they've seen the past, blah 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 blah. Uh, so it's it's opening. It, you take a risk when it comes to predators as well. So I, for me, my philosophy is to never do a congregational ask. My philosophy is always do a a one on one cold ask. Uh, but with that, I also encourage my current volunteers to also identify those who would be good serving on a ministry. Because the reality is, uh, I don't I don't know everybody in my congregation personally. Uh, I don't know everyone's gifting. Uh, my leaders actually, even now, my volunteers right now, know more people personally than I do. And that's just because it's very, because I'm, I'm, I'm around students all the time. I'm not around adults as much as I am with students. And because of that, it's hard for me to gauge who will be more efficient and effective in serving in my ministry. That is an excellent point is that oftentimes your current volunteers can be your best recruiters for your new or your next volunteers. Um, and then, of course, make sure that your volunteers are in the loop. The ones that you have right now, if they're going to be your best spokespeople and your best sources of referrals, then they're going to have to be having a good time with you. They're going to have to think well of you. You can't roll in um, uh, and under-communicate every single week and be very hit and miss with what you're asking them to do and not be consistent. You've got to, again, this goes back to that element of professionalism. You've got to communicate with them regularly and consistently. You've got to keep them informed, you know, and in the loop. You've got to, to give them the tools that they need to be able to do the right, uh, to be able to do the best that they can do. And so all of that just has to do with kind of creating a really um, desirable volunteer culture. Um, you know, you could create, and, and I'll get into it with student stuff, but you could create uh, t-shirts that are, that volunteers are like, Hey, that's cool. I, I want one of those. Where'd you get it? Well, I got it cause I'm a volunteer. Like, oh, okay. And so you create this cool dynamic of, I want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. no, no, absolutely. That's the kind of, um, in a previous episode, um, we talked about retaining volunteers and that's kind of, kind of on the lines of retention and retaining is investing in your volunteers because reality part of part of youth ministry and this is something that i think uh, in the past was never talked about very much i think it's more talked about now than ever has been is that one of the most important roles for you as a, as a youth uh youth pastor a youth worker is equipping your volunteers because the part of being a pastor is equipping others for the work of the ministry. And so equipping your leaders, your adult volunteers is so important because reality is, is depending on the, the, the size of your youth group, you cannot do everything on your own. And I, I just know for me, my person, personal experience, and I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, that there was a point in my ministry where I was doing everything from speaking, from running tech in the back, from doing worship, part of worship. Um, I was visiting two or three or sometimes four students a night, uh, not a night, but a week. And my wife was visiting on the other nights. And so we only spent time as a family probably twice a week around dinner table. We're always gone. And I just remember I got to a point where I just said I could not do it anymore. Uh, my marriage was suffering. My family was suffering. 
And I just went to my, one of my leaders and just laid it out to my schedule. And he looked at me as, as bluntly honest as he can and said, you're an idiot. <laughs> so you're <laughs> not going to be able to survive doing this as your kids get older. Uh, and so that's when it was a turning point for me, uh, was realizing, Hey, I can't, I have to start investing and really equipping my leaders to take over some aspects and take ownership of the ministry as well. Uh, that last word that you said in terms of taking ownership, that's such a big deal because, um, when you hand things over, they might not be done like you would have done it or as well as you would have done it or whatever, but you have to be okay because you can't do everything. And part of uh, handing things over to other people and entrusting them and giving them that ownership is, well, they get buy-in, but also they're developing. You know, for, if you're a youth pastor, hopefully you've been involved with leading small groups for some good amount of time. You've been involved with speaking or preaching for some good amount of time. You've been involved with studying the Bible for some good amount of time. Well, for a new volunteer, this might be some of the first times that they've really gotten involved with that. And so as I remember back to some of the first small groups that I led, it was it was not very helpful and it was not very engaging. And I probably over-talked and over-shared and all of that. But I know, but I learned. And so that's where the only reason why I was able to learn is because some good youth pastors along the way, they didn't give up on me. They kept kind of coaching me and guiding me and saying, how'd that go? And I'd think, and we'd talk and they would help. And year, and as the months went by, I got a little better. And, uh, and they were more clear about what I needed to do and what they expected of me. And that's how it goes. And so don't give up on your volunteers too soon and don't like rip out the reins from them and say, I'll just do it because that, that robs them of an, of a chance to really own what's going on and really develop. No, I agree. And uh, so, so far we've talked about, we talked about how um, your, your space, your place, we've talked about uh, program preaching and, also the people. The last thing uh, I think is something sometimes very much overlooked, uh, especially in smaller church environments. Larger church environments, I see it more more invested in this, and that is promotion. So, uh, which is uh, spreading the word about what you're doing. Uh, You can, another term that a lot of churches uh, don't necessarily use as much as marketing. Uh, So, is there a reason this is listed last, like there, like there is an order to everything that you're doing. Yes. And this is listed last because in my opinion, you don't want to promote your ministry until you're ready to promote your ministry. I think about a time I was working at a church and somebody had a great idea. Well, it wasn't a great idea. Somebody had an idea to buy a billboard or rent a billboard and really get some attention, some visibility for the church. And I'm sitting in this staff meeting and everybody's kind of nodding their head in agreement. Like, I, you know, here's the price and here's how long it'll run. And here's kind of the number, the, the amount of traffic. Uh, we'll see that billboard. This has got to be a great thing. This is a great use of money. And I sat there and I thought, we, we're not ready to handle um, any new visitors right now. Our systems aren't right. Our processes are broken. We don't even have a right, the right follow-up system so that even if 100 people came or even five people came, 
we don't have it a standardized way to follow up that would make it attractive. So I just finally asked, if people come to our church right now, do you think they would be inclined to come back? And the answer was no. That wasn't lost on anybody. And so they all acknowledged that. And so we pushed pause on the billboard. Oftentimes I see different churches give out uh, invite cards and things like that. And they try to equip their people to invite some neighbors and that kind of thing. But one church that I saw doing this, I went into the bathroom there and they had no soap in the soap dispenser. Two of the three light bulbs were out above the, uh, above the sink in the bathroom. They did have toilet paper, so that was good. But, they, but you've got you to gotta get your house in order before you go about inviting people to show up there. And so for me, promotion is last because that's where it fits in terms of the order of things. I don't think that it's helpful to tell your kids to invite all their friends to something that you've got going on if what you've got going on hasn't been well planned, hasn't been communicated, hasn't been designed well, hasn't been prayed over, doesn't have the right number of volunteers working it, you're doing everybody a disservice. And so for me, promotion is extremely important, but it comes as the last step in the process. So that's why it's listed last. Um, get your things going first, get things good first, make things better first, and then you can begin to promote it and, and um, invite people to come and be part of it. And that's always going to be a good thing. And of course, some of the easiest ways to get the word out, you got social media. Um, but another thing is just swag, cool t-shirts that don't say dumb things on them, um, you know, with bad graphics, like that's always helpful. So if you're going to invest in t-shirts and swag and things like that, make it wearable. So it might require somebody to update their logo, which again is not hard. You go into a Facebook group and you say, are there any graphic designers here? And most, some of them will even do it for free and it'll be a huge upgrade. And you begin to put that logo on everything. You put your social media info on everything. Um, you, one of the coolest things I ever did, and this is so simple, I, I, th I forget who the company was, but I just got some mechanical pencils with our logo on them, like so basic. But I'm trying to think, what is it that a kid would wear? What is it that a kid would use in a public space, in a public way? And shoot, I told him, hey, I want, I'm going to give you five pencils, and I want you to leave five pencils in different desks at school, you know, this week. And it's just a simple way, like, oh, what, what is this? And you're like, yeah, that's my student ministry. You want to come? And so you're just thinking about things that people use, things that are visible, things that attract the eye. A cool hat could work, you know, pencils, T-shirts, a hat, um, pop sockets on your phone. There's all kinds of different ways. But again, don't rush it. You want to be sure that things are, are working properly um, in all these different other areas, and then you're going to do it. Now, that's not to say that a kid can't, invite their friend, you know, to follow Jesus, you know, that's, that's, they ought to be trying to be evangelistic. But as far as promotion goes, I'm simply talking about tr really trying to get your students to share the word about your church. Don't, don't make, don't try to make that happen too soon. Yeah. And also, um, I liked how we talked about, uh, talking about, you were talking specifically swag, but tying it in as a tool uh, for an invitation or even a tool for a conversation starter, even a gospel uh, conversation starter. Um, but for, for a lot of churches, uh, there are maybe smaller churches may not be able to invest in some aspects of swag and that avenue. 
but you mentioned social media. Social media is such a useful tool and it's absolutely free. It's, it, it's just a, a neat way you can, of uh, uh, promoting, uh, not necessarily, you can talk about events, but I want to use social media or you can use Facebook maybe to talk about events, but specifically Instagram, Snapchat, or TikTok, whatever your, your ministry is using, uh, using as ways highlighting your youth ministry, what's going on, youth ministry stories, um, kids coming to Christ and maybe them sharing their testimony, using things like that as, as promotion, as a tool to see how God is using, using your students, your student ministry in a powerful way and, and inviting others to be a part of it. Yeah, I, you're, you're exactly right. You want to you put your students in the best light. That's what people share. So that if you want somebody to, you know, uh, repost or, you know, or share whatever you've shared, you want to be able to put your students in the best light. And I think this is coming from a place of, of, of personal, what I've, personally what I've seen. And I don't understand why there are some youth pastors that insist on posting pictures of their students that really put them in, in it's not the best picture. And the student isn't happy with it. And it's frustrating to the student and they're not going to share it. And so one of the ways that I, this is what I, this is what I did all the time. If I had a picture of a group, a picture of a student, a picture of whatever, I would run it by them first and say, are you, Hey, here's the picture. Are you okay if I share this? If they say no, it's not getting shared because I don't want a student to feel like I am, I am putting them into the public space in a negative way and, or in, in a way that's embarrassing to them. That's not what I'm about. And that's not going to advance what I'm trying to do with them, you know, in terms of influence. And it's, and it's not going to get shared. And somebody might laugh, but in the end, I might be only contributing to some bullying. So that might be over the top, right? But that, hit, that strikes a nerve with me where if you're going to be posting pictures of students, make sure that you're putting them with their best foot forward, something that they would be happy to share with others. No, absolutely. There's one other thing I, I wanted to just touch on just briefly as we wrap up is um, one thing, because when I looked at so you, you're, you have a, created a score, a, like a scorecard of all these different aspects of a better youth ministry and underneath promotion, you mentioned, talked about one thing, which I think it's, it's, I've used, I use all the time, but I think it's a great tool for any youth pastor is creating videos uh, after an event. This uh, taking short little, what you can do is you can take your phone, Everyone's got a smartphone taking short little clips, 15 second clips um, and creating a two to three minute video. And for those of you who are not tech savvy, which, uh, which some people aren't, uh, an easy app you can get on your phone. It just, it's, it's called Quick, Q-U-I-C-K, Quick, which is basically made for a GoPro. But you can use that and take, pick the clips you want to use in your video, and it's got different themes. It's even got um, music you can select, and it creates the video for you. But that's, that's just a great little tool, a little snippet to use after event to pump up what's going on in your youth ministry so other students see what's going on, um, other parents see what's going on, and it brings a sense of excitement of what you're doing. Yeah, you're exactly right. Because like I said, you want the students who were there to say, I'm glad I was there. And you want the students who weren't there to say, I wish that I had been there. 
and capturing some of those moments. And you can even ask a parent or another student to do that, capturing those moments and bringing together some sort of highlight from the, from the service or from the program or from the event or from the activity is always going to be a big win. I agree. So we, we, I know we talked about this last week, but just in case we have new listeners listening this week, uh, if somebody wanted to connect with you to learn more about these areas of a better youth ministry, what is the best way to get connected with you? Well, uh, betteryouthministry.com slash Ryan. I created a page just for your listeners, and you mentioned the scorecard. If they go to that address, then they can grab that scorecard for themselves and be able to look at all those different areas and kind of how to unpack them and make some improvements in uh, in their ministry. That's better youthministry.com slash Ryan. Well, Trevor, I just want to thank you for taking the time out to come on the podcast today. Well, I appreciate you having me and um, hopefully we'll be able to talk again soon. Well, guys, I am very thankful for Trevor and his heart. And I'm just thankful for him kind of discussing going back to the basics as a youth ministry and what really a lot of ways really matters and, and elements of your youth ministry that we can use and work on to become better and more effective. I agree. And uh, I, I know that uh, you, you probably kind of expect a few of those things maybe in your own life. And, and I don't know if you're, if you're anything like me, but you may have heard some of these concepts and, and, you may have that thought run through your mind every once in a while. And you're like, well, you know what? I've been doing ministry for so many years. I should have this figured out by now. But I mean, even if you were at a point where you thought you had things figured out and you had finally gotten to a good rhythm, coronavirus ruined all of it. So <laughs> oh, absolutely. we basically have to rethink everything. So having some input from a guy like this who's got so many years of experience and, and just seeing the, the wisdom that he's been able to gather over the years has been um, has been solid. And frankly, once this episode drops on Friday, I'm going to go ahead and listen to it again. <laughs> so having said that, um, if you guys have been listening for a while, uh, we want to thank you for your faithfulness to us. If you have not uh, been listening for a while, please feel free to subscribe on whatever, whatever platform you're on. And uh, if you have not yet, uh, please leave a comment or a star review so that we can continue to keep uh, this uh, ministry content uh, specifically for youth ministry, easy to find for those who are looking on looking on different platforms like Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Spotify. Uh, giving us a, a high ranking or a positive review is going to keep that up near the top of the search results so people can find more solid content for youth ministry. Well, guys, you definitely don't want to miss our next episode. <laughs>